0: Take your Bibles out, and uh, Lord willing, we will finish Daniel chapter 9 tonight looking at the 70 weeks of Daniel. The 70 weeks of Daniel. Daniel 9. And while you're finding Daniel 9, you can find Revelation 9. Um, excuse me, uh, Romans 11 and Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah 2 and Romans 11. Tell you what I'd like to do tonight, even though we're looking at uh, verses 24 to 27 tonight, I want us to uh, go back. To set the context, read the passage that we read last week, Daniel's prayer. So let's start back in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, And all the lands to which you've driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we've sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we've sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he's done, and we've not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, And have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy, Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy heal of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have not now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to, to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the sixty-two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering, And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Now our text today has long been considered the most important passage in all the book of Daniel. In fact, it is the key to prophetic understanding. Now without verses 24 to 27... The Olivet Discourse in the Gospels would be unclear to us and some of the book of Revelation would likewise be unclear to us. Years ago, a a book by a man named McLean was uh, uh, published on this passage and it tells why Daniel 9, 24-27 matters so much. He uh, made three big points in that book that first of all this passage is a witness to the truth of divine revelation. You see these words given to Daniel, given by Gabriel to Daniel in 538 BC describe in detail certain events that would not happen for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, these events would include the death of Christ and the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD by the Romans. Now, folks, what is remarkable is that in these verses, God ties himself to a definite chronology regarding Israel. As another writer has put it, it pinpoints the exact moment in history when the Jewish Messiah would present himself to the Jewish people and it does so more than 500 years before the event took place. And so it is a witness to the truth of divine revelation. Secondly, McLean said, it is the rock on which naturalistic theories have Floundered. I've mentioned how liberal scholars have tried to give Daniel a late date, 2nd century B.C. date instead of 6th century B.C. date. They want to call it history instead of prophecy because they deny prophecy because of the predictive element. And so liberal scholars would try to say instead of a prophet writing, talking about things that were going to happen in the future, he actually lived through those events and was writing as a historian looking back on them, but falsifying his identity, trying to make his readers think he was a prophet. And that's been the position of a lot of liberal scholarship on the book of Daniel. But folks, their system still collapses on them because even those who want to try to make Daniel a 2nd century B.C. document instead of a 6th century B.C. document, the book of Daniel from the, from the 2nd century B.C. perspective still much in the book of Daniel remains future even from that vantage point. So even a late date for the book, the book still talks about things future. So try as they must to get out of any prophetic element to the book, they still can't. And so their whole system, their whole motive really collapses in on itself. Well, as McLean said, thirdly, it it is the key to all New Testament prophecy. If you've ever wondered where certain writers get the concept of a future uh, seven-year tribulation period, you find the answer right here in this passage. In fact, the events of Revelation 6 to 19 are simply an expansion of verse 27 in our text tonight. Revelation uh, verse 27 in our text tonight is kind of like a summary statement of Revelation chapters 6 to 19. Well, now the background to this passage is, is very simple. In 538 B.C., Daniel was reading Jeremiah the prophet when he realized the exile in Babylon was soon to be over. And then he prayed that passionate prayer that we looked at last week. And when the angel Gabriel comes with an answer from God, you might assume that the answer would be, Good news, Daniel. Your prayer has been heard. Your people are going home soon. End of answer. That's what you would expect. But that's not the case. Daniel asked for a small thing and God responded by giving him the whole picture. Daniel prayed about the small matter of his people returning to their homeland but God said, here's what must happen before Israel is going to be completely restored. And so God's answer to Daniel was... Fuller and richer than anything Daniel asked for. Now, we need to remember something very important as we study this passage. It's all about Israel and the Jewish people. Now, we're included here, as you're going to see, we're included in the gap between the 69th and the 70th week. But this prophecy is about Daniel and his people and that's specified very clearly here. Now what stands out to me here is that God is not done with the Jewish people. Even though they rejected Jesus Christ and the message of salvation went out to the Gentiles, God's not done with the Jew yet. I want you to turn with me over to Revelation chapter 11. Revelation, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 11. Romans 11, and pick up reading with me in verse 11. Romans 11 and verse 11. Paul asked, so I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I'm speaking to you, Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as firstfruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own sight, I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they're enemies of God for your sake. But as regards election, they're beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. irrevocable for just as you were at one time disobedient to God but now have received mercy because of their disobedience so they too now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you they also may now receive mercy for God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Jews are being added now to the kingdom of God in small measure, while overall they've rejected Jesus. But, folks, something even greater is yet to happen to the Jews. Now, before we get into it, there's one more thing that we need to understand. In verse 24 of Daniel 9, in the King James, it says 70 weeks. Now, the English word weeks is literally sevens in the Hebrew. So, 77s. 70 sevens. 77s 70 sevens is literally what the text says. It could mean 70 minutes, uh, I mean, seven minutes, seven days, or even seven decades. It's the context. That determines. The context here determines that it's, it's seven years. Uh, as David Dykes points out, if I, if I say, give me a dozen, you might think, a dozen what? But if I'm standing at the counter in Krispy Kreme looking down at the glazed donuts and say, give me a dozen... You don't need any further clarification than that, do you? Context determines. Same here with years. And in fact, it couldn't refer to days or weeks or even months. The whole chronology wouldn't work out. Daniel had been reading Jeremiah the prophet and he was thinking in terms of the 70 years of Jeremiah's prophecy. Now, almost all conservative Bible expositors agree that the 77s here describes 70 weeks of years. 70 weeks of years. Now, how long is 70 weeks of years? Seven times seven, 70 times 7 rather equals what? 490. 490 years. And so the angel is telling Daniel that a period of 490 years will pass before God's purposes for Israel are complete. Now that was a much larger subject than the question on Daniel's mind how soon will we return to our homeland. But God's purposes transcend the return of the Jews from Babylon. He intends to deal once and for all with the sin of the nation and to establish the Jewish people in a state of everlasting righteousness. And so God went beyond Daniel's prayer. God has a marvelous way of doing that, doesn't he? What's Paul say in Ephesians 3.20? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we would ask or think. Now, verse 24 is like a summary verse. It explains the whole of the 70 weeks, okay? Se- uh, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Three negative things, three positive things spoken of there. But it's like a summary verse. Now, most believe, and I agree with them, that some of verse 24 has been accomplished and some has not. And you see that a lot in Old Testament prophecy. When you talk about the first advent of Christ and the second advent of Christ, and a prophet was looking forward to both of those advents. It, it would look as though they were side by side, right? You with me? It looked like one followed immediately after the other. But as you get up on it, it's like two, it's like two mountain peaks and you don't see that there might be a huge valley in between the two peaks. So a lot of times as you're reading the Old Testament and it appears like it's talking about the second advent of Christ right alongside the first advent of Christ, what you don't immediately see is the huge valley of time elapsed that occurs between the two. You with me? For example, at Calvary, reconciliation for iniquity was made but we certainly haven't seen everlasting Righteousness yet for the Jews. We haven't seen all prophecy fulfilled or, and, and, and all of it sealed up. Now, when we come to verse 25, the summary of the 70 weeks given to us in verse 24 is split up. In fact, we're going to see the 70 weeks split into how many sections? Three. Exactly. Seven weeks. 62 weeks, and then one week that's going to show up in verse 27. Now, verse 25 tells us when the clock starts on all this, okay? He says, Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be Seven weeks, then for 62 weeks, it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And so the clock begins here with the decree being issued to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Aha, but we got a problem. Anybody know what that problem is? Actually, there were four decrees. So which one is he talking about? It's not hard to figure out from a process of elimination. Three of the four decrees to rebuild are found in the book of Ezra. Ezra 1, 1 through 4. This decree had to do with the rebuilding of the temple. And it was given in 538 B.C. Then in Ezra 6, 6 through 12, again, a decree was issued that had to do with the rebuilding of the temple and that was dated 519 B.C. And then in Ezra 7, 11 to 26, this decree was more religious in nature. 458 BC. Now, if we were to look closely at all of these texts out of Ezra, we would find that each attempt was stopped because of the accusations uh, against the Jews that they were trying to rebuild the city and they didn't have the proper permit. And so it was assumed that there was not a decree to rebuild the city. But now you go over to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1. And look at what's said here in the month of Nisan, verse 1 of Nehemiah 2. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been said in his presence. That's 445 B.C. And, and then Artaxerxes goes on to make the decree here to go back and rebuild the city and the temple. So this would be the official decree. Now confirming it even more in Daniel 9.25 it says it will be rebuilt in troublesome times. You read the book of Nehemiah and you see that's indeed what happened. They had to rebuild the the city and the walls and so forth in troublesome times. In verse 25, we see seven sevens or 49 years. Well, we know that the Jews did return to Jerusalem led by Ezra and Nehemiah. By the year 396 B.C., Jerusalem was restored. From 445 B.C. until the rebuilding of Jerusalem completed in 396, we have 49 years exactly. Now at this point we close out the Old Testament. We move through 400 silent years between the old and the new. In verse 25 we also see 62 sevens or 434 years. When you combine the seven sevens and the 62 sevens that is the 49 plus the 434 you come up with 483 years. Verse 26 says that after this period of time, two significant things are going to happen. The Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Shall be cut off, the phrase refers to a violent ending. Not a natural death, but a violent death. And so from the signing of the decree down to the cutting off of Messiah, there'll be how many years? 483 years. From the decree in Nehemiah that was issued down to the cutting off of the Messiah, 483 years. This is why some rabbis today are not allowed to study Daniel. Because when you look at Daniel 9, you would come to the conclusion that the Messiah has already come. They're still looking for a Messiah, but from 445 B.C., 483 years later, the Messiah being cut off, guess what? We're not talking about something we're still looking for. We're talking about past history. Okay? Now, perhaps the most convincing attempt to calculate the math here is that of Sir Robert Anderson. He was a respected British attorney, historian, and scientist. And by the way, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary has looked at his system to try to validate all his numbers in math. And that Dallas Seminary has has affirmed these dates. Well, Anderson went back to the time of the edict to rebuild Jerusalem. Nehemiah gives the date, the first of Nisan 445. That'd be March 14th, 445 B.C. He factored in the Hebrew calendar, which uses 360 days a year. Instead of 365, he also factored in the leap years. He came up with 173,880 days. When you do that, 173,880 days from March 14, 445 B.C., you come out with Jesus being presented to his people the triumphal entry, you come out with a date of April the 6th, 32 A.D. The approximate time that the triumphal entry is dated. Now even those who vary a little bit from Anderson's accounting of time still end up somewhere exactly within what we know were the, were the years of Jesus' life and his public ministry and the approximate date of his crucifixion. You say, well, if that's so easy to figure out, why didn't somebody in New Testament times figure it out? They did. You remember who it was? Not who you would expect. Who figured it out and came looking for him? The Magi. And who were the Magi? What was their background? Daniel and Babylon. Babylonian roots for the Magi. Colleagues of Daniel's. And so their descendants, the Magi of the New Testament, they came looking for him. When even, though, when even those in the Jewish nation weren't looking for him. Have any of the Jews put all this together? Sure, a number of them have come to faith in Jesus as a result of studying Daniel 9. Let me share one of their stories. A former Orthodox Jewish man, Harold Sievener, became a Christian by studying Daniel 9. He said only one person in all of Jewish history, or for that matter, in all of world history, could have fulfilled this prophecy in every detail. That person was Yeshua, uh, Yeshua of Nazareth. Daniel is told, and we can calculate, exactly when the Messiah, whom God promised to send to Israel, would be cut off well look also verse 26 and after the 62 weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary its end shall come with the flood and and to the end there shall be war desolations are decreed what does history tell us In 70 A.D. Roman armies under Titus came in and surrounded the city and its end came with the flood. Josephus, the Jewish historian who was present and and saw it as an eyewitness records one of the most horrible sieges in all of history. He describes the terrible days in which Jerusalem was under siege by the Roman armies how starvation and famine stalked the streets of the city. People died by the hundreds and bodies were stacked up in the streets like cordwood, he says. Mothers ate their own children in order to survive but finally the city was overthrown the walls were breached the Romans entering in were so angered by the stubborn resistance of the Jews that they disobeyed the orders of their general and they burned the temple melting the gold and the silver so that it ran down between the cracks of the stones of the temple in order to get at the precious metals they pried the stones apart with bars and thus fulfilled our Lord's prediction that not one stone would be left standing on another what did Jesus say over in Luke 19 over in Luke 19 verses 41 to 44 when he drew near and saw the city he wept over it saying would that you even you had known on this day the things that made for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus seems to be saying, you should have known the time. Daniel gave you the time. Now remember so far we've seen the passage of 483 years of the history of Daniel's people the Jews. But remember 6 I mean not 69 not just 69 70s were prophesied but how many 70 70s that means we still we have seven more years to account for. Now, Jesus made it clear in the Olivet Discourse that the abomination referred to in verse 27 is connected to the very end of time. And so here's what some scholars believe, and I agree with them. I'm not gonna fight with you if you disagree with me on this. You can be wrong. I mean, that's okay. But 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 let me say this is not my own private interpretation. This this is probably the prevailing view today among many after 69 weeks. Israel's clock has stopped. Okay? There's a parenthesis. It's like being at a ball game. 60 minute ball game. Do you see the the ration that Alabama gave Notre Dame Monday night? Yay. Sixty minute ball game. Do, do ball games last us that no. The clock's running, what happens? Referee the timeouts and referees stop it there's a period of an undetermined amount of time, right? <coughs> You, you know the ball game's going to end at some point, but you know it's not going to be a 60-minute game. Okay? Well, we're in a parenthesis between the 69th and 70th week. What do we call this time? Times of the Gentiles and the church age. Exactly. Again, Romans 11 had a lot to say about that. We're in the period of time that the Gentiles are being won. Yes, Jews are being converted, but by and large, Jews as a whole are still rejecting their Messiah. Something's going to happen to get the clock ticking again. We can speculate. I think it's going to be the rapture of the church. That's going to usher in the seven-year tribulation or the last week of Daniel, the 70th week, and the Jews are going to get a wake-up call. Verse 26 refers to all the desolations on this earth that are going to happen. Again, Revelation 6 to 19 talks about all those desolations. During that time, many Jews are going to come to Christ. Revelation 7 talks about that. The he of verse 27 is the Antichrist. He'll make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wings of abomination shall cause one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. The Antichrist, we've spoken about him before. He's going to be a great world ruler, somebody promising peace on earth. And at midpoint of the week, after three and a half years, he's going to break the covenant with Israel. By the way, he talks about he's going to put an end to sacrifice. What's that imply? What have the Jews got to rebuild? The temple. By the way, They've got everything in place, ready to go. Not that far away. Within about 300 yards right now of the temple mount, they have everything stored ready for the rebuilding of the temple. Page, hmm? Page, page, well, somehow or another, the Antichrist is going to broker some deal, some covenant. President of Southwestern Seminary Paige Patterson has actually seen all. He's been there and visited personally, seen with his own eyes, everything stored, ready for the rebuilding of the temple. Yes, it's all it's all ready to go. It's all ready to go. Now. I may I may be a hundred percent wrong in what I'm about to say. This is just pure speculation. But Dome of the Rock, who's there now? Muslims, okay. What do the Arabs want? They want more what? More land. So I, this this pure speculation on my part. Somebody comes along, some world ruler says to the Arabs, now y'all want more of Jerusalem and more of Israel for your, your land and a Palestinian state. Okay, in fairness to the Jews, if you want that, you need to let their temple is sacred to them and their history. In exchange for a Palestinian state and more land and more of Jerusalem, let them rebuild their temple. And that deal is struck. They say everybody says okay. And they rebuild the temple, restart sacrifices. But then world opinion turns against them. And after three and a half years, nah, we don't believe we want them there. The Muslims will have they'll the Arabs and Muslims will have their Palestinian state, they'll have more of the city, that they'll have gotten everything that they want. And they'll say, we've changed our mind about the temple being there. And the Antichrist breaks the covenant. That's just what I speculate could legitimately happen. But anyway, three and a half years into the tribulation, uh, the covenant is broken that, th- this is what G- look at Matthew 24 Matthew 24 beginning in verse 15 15 down to 22 Jesus said so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea, flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulations such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. At the end of this period, Jesus comes back, Revelation 19. He establishes His kingdom and He brings in the everlasting righteousness that Daniel nine twenty four refers to. Okay, let me give you five, uh, five lessons tonight. I, I, I think the important thing to note for us today is to realize once again, as we've said so often, number one, God is sovereign. The world seems so out of control. You look at the world, it just seems so spinning out of control. But in a bigger sense, it's not. God's in control. God knows exactly what's happening on the world scene. And all of what we see going on in the world scene is being used towards God's greater purposes. Number two, we need to be ready. God's going to wrap this thing up. Revelation 20 records that scene of the great white throne judgment and those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life cast into the lake of fire. Folks, the good news of Jesus Christ is now being proclaimed. We live in a day of grace. We need to make sure we're right with the Lord. When... Jesus told the parable about the ten wise, I mean the, the ten virgins, the five wise and five foolish. What was the punch line at the end? Be ready, watch, for you do not know when your Lord is going to return. We need to be ready. Thirdly, we need to be witnessing. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Do we weep over the lost today? Is there anybody that we weep over? Anybody you're praying for to be saved? Anybody that your heart is just so burdened for, you're weeping over them? Because they're not ready. Fourthly, as I pointed out tonight earlier, God's not done with the Jew. The 70 weeks are clearly not done. Daniel was given a time clock for the Jew that covered 70 weeks. We've gone through 69 of those weeks, but only 69. We still have one week, seven years of events that have to transpire for the Jewish people once the clock starts ticking again. And then finally, we see here that God is a God of detail. The end of times is carefully planned out. God is a God of detail. Folks, think about what Daniel was told right here. From the time the decree is issued to rebuild, till they go back and rebuild, there'll be this much time. And then from that time until the Messiah is cut off will be this much time. God didn't say, oh, just kind of speaking in round numbers, it might be this decade or that decade or this century or that century. He gave specific time. No wonder Jesus said early on in his public ministry, my hour has not come yet. My hour has not come yet. And then right before he was crucified in John 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Precise time, specific time. God is a God of detail. I think you see from these verses why this is considered perhaps the most important passage in the word of God as you look at the chronology of end time events okay you what yes Mm -hmm. yes okay I'll let John 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 can answer 3.9 out of the 4 The the when the Romans came in, just a flood of destruction through the city, seventy A.D. A Gentile is defined as anybody who's not a descendant of Abraham, and bloodwise, yes, anybody who's not a Jew. Well, ultimately in heaven, but. In in Mark 1, the Bible says that Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's, there's a sense here again, looking at scripture, sometimes things will be an immediate and an ultimate fulfillment. The kingdom of God is within believers now. We're to, we're to live as citizens of heaven. But ultimately it's not going to come until his kingdom is on earth, the millennial reign of Christ. Can prayer postpone it? The week. I would, ass- I would assume not. <laughs> yes. yes sorry. No, <laughs> God, God has it determined. God God knows when he's coming, when he's gonna say, Son, go get your bride. And then from that time, seven years later and three and a half years into that, the breaking of the covenant. So all of those things are in God's set time. You what? I see a lot of people trying to Maybe because they're not ready. And again, I I think a fatal flaw in some people's eschatology, something they don't consider. Even a lot of fine Bible-believing conservative Christians um, say Jesus can't come back yet in the rapture because he said this gospel of the kingdom's got to be preached to the ends of the earth, and then the end shall come. They say there's still... uh, Tribes and tongues and people groups on the globe that haven't heard yet. And that's true. But as you study what happens during the seven-year tribulation, during the seven-year tribulation, the gospel is indeed preached to the ends of the earth. And so what I'm saying is before the rapture of the church, it doesn't have to get everywhere. It doesn't mean we're not to try. But the rapture could happen before we finish in here tonight. And during the tribulation between the 144,000, the complete number of Israel that's going to be saved, the two witnesses of Revelation 11, and then even the angels. Revelation talks about the angels who go about proclaiming the good news. Between the 144,000, the two witnesses, and even the angels, the gospel is going to be proclaimed to the end ends of the earth before the second coming of Christ but the rapture could happen tonight and again a lot of of evangelical Christians are saying we need to get busy about the great commission everybody wants this evil world to end well if you want it to end let's get out there and get it to the ends of the earth so the end can hurry up and come I think that's faulty thinking so anyway Or, or Daniel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and how much of that is going on? I don't know. I've I've heard some of it's going on. How much? I I don't have a way to measure that, but. get get them to get them to study Daniel chapter 9 if they'll be honest with it. John Mhm. Mhm. I'm sorry, what now? Oh okay. I probably just cruised over it. <laughs> Well, uh, when the Jews rebuild the temple, uh, the millennial temple, uh, I mean, the, the the temple during the tribulation, uh, three and a half years into that, the Antichrist is going to break covenant and put an end to the sacrifices made and then go in himself and commit the abomination that causes desolation. So that's that's referring to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, else is in there. The it That might I'd I'd have to go back and check the Hebrew. It they the English may be using the flood to translate the closest word there that is the Hebrew. Yeah. interlinear um apps that you can get you you can get the Hebrew with the English under it and the Greek with the English under it